Cavscore.com, podcast, Cavscore.com, your source for sports. And brought to you all football season long by the good folks over at Thorium Wealth. Check them out online, ThoriumWealth.com, for more information. Our thanks to them for their support of the site and of the show. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of Cavscore.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin Estates in the West End, Richmond, where it is Wednesday, September the 11th. Virginia coming off of a pretty decent win, 52-17 over William Mary. I think somebody picked the score and then changed their score, Dave. Um, we will talk about the the, Ca- the Cavaliers getting a win over uh, Mike Lennon's tribe. We will talk about the improved uh, in-game experience for fans at Scott Stadium, um, which apparently they've already made some tweaks, according to, I guess, the email that went out, one of them being that the um, – PA is not going to be quite as loud. Dave went from never being able to hear it to hoping that it would stop. Um, so we'll we'll talk about all that, and then of course we will preview Virginia's matchup on Saturday night against the Seminoles of Florida State. Before we do and get started on all that, let's go around and introduce everybody up in Fishville. The aforementioned David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing wonderful, Brad. I had to take a break from running up all the bid prices on the basketball auction to do the podcast, but I'll be back in an hour, folks. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And up in Reston, staff writer Justin Ferber, also on this here program. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Uh, like Scott Stadium, we have a new audio system here, so if I'm too loud, uh, my apologies. And uh, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. So, yeah, Ferber got a new mic, so if he sounds different, uh, that's why. If for some reason in the middle of the show he, like, bumps it or something, it's because he's still getting his bearings, so that's that's fine. Um, if, uh, if Dave wants to get a mic, you know, hey, Dave, if you want to get a mic, buddy, you, you know, feel free. <laughs> if there's one on the basketball auction, maybe I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so let's talk about William Mary. 52-17. Dave, as I mentioned, uh, had picked the game correctly, then changed himself uh, and picked it 52-10. Did you even realize that as the game's unfolding that you – I mean, has I can't remember the last time one of us nailed the score exactly. Um, I remember what I picked us to score, but I could not remember if I changed ours. So mm. I was more – I was just happy I nailed the 52. There you go. Um, yeah. I guess, look, we – I think it's pretty incredible that according to pro football focus, um, which I mean, look, it's early in the season. So some of these grades are a little bit, you know, up or down, but it's amazing to me that Virginia can have its best two players, Bryce Hall, Bryce Perkins have their worst, literally their worst games as Virginia Cavaliers and still win a game by 35. Like that's a pretty good sign. Now understanding way Mary, not very good at football right now. Um, Maybe they'll turn it around. Maybe they won't, but not a very good team. Um, but still, I don't care who you're playing. If your two best guys play that poorly and you still roll, you're doing something right. Dave, when you I, – I don't know if you've rewatched or if you're just going off of what your memories tells you from, from Saturday, but I mean, or wait, Friday. Friday, um, what, what were your, some of your main takeaways from that game and, and how do you feel about it now that we're midweek? First of all, I'm a professional, Brad. I always rewatch. <laughs> um, <laughs> and to be honest, like the rewatch helped a lot this week because because the game started off so well and kind of ended on a dud. Um, I wasn't as excited as probably the score indicated I should have been when we were walking out of the stadium. It's because it kind of got sloppy there at the end. Um, yeah, you can stop watching at like the end of the second quarter. Yeah. So <laughs> when I went back and rewatched it and kind of just saw how dominant they were early in the game, then my, you know, then I was a lot happier. Um, like, I mean, William Mary's was vastly undersized, um, but were tricky. And there were some plays early in the game that, 
you could see William Mary run the first week, kind of having multiple quarterbacks on the field. That Virginia early in the game kind of stopped for losses and got pressure all game. So, I mean, defensively, I thought they played wonderful when the starters were in. And while there was, while the game was, I don't want to say in doubt, but while they were active, let's put it that way. Um, second half had some breakdowns with backups on the field. And, you know, I think Bryce Hall's grade was probably so low because technically he was in the area of one of those like Hail Mary looking passes. I believe it was the uh, trick play early in the game was credited to him. And that's probably why, because honestly, he wasn't even in on the second, their actual like long touchdown drive. It was um, Heskin Smith. Yep. And then Bryce got a PI early in the game too. Um, Yeah. So So that's probably why he probably had like three times targeted and gave up a pass and a pass interference or something like that. Yeah. I mean, still, very, very good. You know, Bryce Hall. Bryce Hall's numbers are never going to be great because no one throws that way. Um, so, I mean, overall, I was happy with the D. I was excited to see the team come out and take an inferior opponent and kind of bury them early and leave no, you know, kind of pretty pretty much had left them for dead at halftime. Um, that's something we haven't seen before. So, overall, it's not a whole lot you can take from it because, you know, it was a gross mismatch in talent. But the fact that it was a gross mismatch in talent is probably what we should take from it because two years ago we didn't have that, um, three years ago now. So, um, yeah, I mean, took care of business and relatively healthy coming out of it. That's all you can ask for. What about you, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, I think what Dave said at the end there is, is a good point in that, you know, uh, and I, I even said it to you, Brad, during the game in the second half. Like, they didn't play their best game, not by any stretch. Probably, like, a B-minus overall if you count, you know, four turnovers and a few other things that happened. But for the most part, you know, they they still handled the game. It was never, ever in doubt. I mean, once UVA got the ball and scored and then got the pick six, the game was over. Um, But, you know, they were able to kind of, like, put the pedal down and and keep William & Mary from even getting, like, any hope to be back in the game. Um you know, they completely remove them from the game. And that's something that, you know, like two years ago, UVA played William and Mary and that game is pretty forgettable. Honestly, I don't know how much you guys even remember from it, but it was the opener and UVA was a bowl team and that William and Mary team was bad. Like they were terrible and UVA still kind of like they, they won the game and they were clearly going to win the game, but it wasn't a cakewalk. I think it was like seven, nothing like pretty deep into the first half and it ended up 28, 10, I think. So, I mean, this game was, you know, that that game, you know, in 2017, it wasn't like William & Mary was likely to come back. But, I mean, they were still within a couple of scores for most of the game. This game, it was like, we're going to make sure that everybody knows the game's over at halftime. And then we'll use the second half to get better. And then William & Mary can do the same. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they did exactly what... Uh, I was talking to somebody the day after the game and and they asked me what I thought overall. And I said, pretty much par for the course or what I expected in terms of the result and some of the things I saw UVA do well, I wasn't expecting them to lose the turnover battle in the way that they did. Um, And I probably wasn't expecting them to score in all three phases. Uh, But at the end of the day, you know, that they, they took care of a team that they were supposed to beat. And and Bronco even was asked uh, by Mike Barber after the game, um, whether beating teams like this easily and, and comfortably is a part of the evolution of a program. And, and he said, yeah, it's definitely something that, you know, you're expected to do. There's a, there's a talent discrepancy, the team scholarship discrepancy. 
So it was nice to see them kind of just take care of business and do so in a, in sort of a fun, like enjoyable way and not necessarily like a, make it a slog, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like that long ago, right, that Virginia would have been, this thing would have been like an 11-point game somewhere like middle yeah. to late of the fourth quarter, and you're thinking, like, they need a stop here because if they if, if William Mary scores, this thing gets a lot closer, and that's not good. This was a, a definitive, like, this thing was done with 12 minutes to go in the second quarter. Yeah. And Even was, that Richmond game last year, they led 10-7, yeah. like, you know, deep into the first quarter before UVA kind of took the game. Right. And, I mean, for them to lose the turnover battle <laughs> and still win the way they did, 500 and some odd yards of total offense, they – I mean, the stats in and of themselves are, are somewhat meaningless. I think overall, to me, it was just how it, – it, it continues to be uh, a thing for me. And I, I know I've written this. I've said this on podcasts, radio spots, whatever. Like, when you are handling your business, when you're just doing what you're supposed to do and you do it consistently and there aren't any hiccups and there no, there, you, know, you know exactly what you're supposed to do and you just do it, there's a lot to be said for that. Like You might not necessarily set the world on fire if that's the, only, if that's the ceiling, right? But when you are in you know, the place Virginia football is in right now, that's not a bad thing, right, for them to just continue to go out there, be the team they're supposed to be, do their job, let the other team make the mistakes, and you just go home with a win. Um, it's one of the reasons why, spoiler alert, later I'm going to be pretty high on, on Virginia winning this game. I, I just, I, I think as 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 I watched that game the other night unfold, the fact that there were just there were no, um, there were no, you know, there were no ghosts of the past, right? There was no, you know, there was nothing, no no drama. Um, it was just, it was just, I, I thought a really solid effort. And granted, from player to player, maybe some guys were better than others. We we talked about Bryce and Bryce not playing well. But man, Mike Hollins was impressive. Um, I, I I mean I know you know he's got some stuff you, you even saw it later in the game like with pass pro you know he's got to pick up. But I mean he looks he looks like the guy uh, of the future at that position. And Bronco even basically said as much. Um, I, I thought Jawan Briggs his tackling was really strong. I thought the defense as a whole, considering that a lot of guys weren't getting a lot of work, um, they were really strong overall. I mean I just think that it was a really solid sort of effort. Um, Dave, when you when you think about what you wanted to see from that game and for what it means for him going forward, is there anything lasting from a negative standpoint? So is it maybe Bryce's turnovers or Bryce Hall not maybe you know having as good a start to the year maybe as we expected? Are, are there any potential yeah. negatives from from the, from let's let's say from the first two weeks? Let's let's put them together that are kind of sticking with you as you look forward, not just to Florida State but beyond. Yeah, for the first two weeks, it's still run blocking. Um, I mean, my my hope was that we would just come out and run it down William Mary's throat, but we couldn't. Um, they did a good job stopping the run. We did a bad job opening holes for our running backs early in the game. And most of the points Virginia scored, most of the draws they had were based on the pass, which you shouldn't have to do against a team that's undersized like that. Um, and we saw that in Pittsburgh. Like, you know, most of the running game against Pittsburgh was wasn't consistent. It was a lot you know, to do with the quarterback's legs and kind of ma- making people miss. So two games in, like the run blocking's got to get better. Um, the only thing we Mary obviously was the turnovers, uh, like, like Chuck Davis, the, the muff punt. Um, I noticed he wasn't on the two deep this week. Um, you know, Kim Davis looks okay back there. I, mean, I think he just, he wanted to, I think he was trying to get in on the action kind of ran before he caught the ball. Yeah. 
Um, I think Kemp's going to be the guy there. Like, yeah, Kemp's the, he, the, he just he does natural. more with the ball when he gets it. He hasn't dropped it. I think yeah. he's going to be the guy there. I would agree. And um, rewatching the game, like you know, Brennan's Brennan had one of the turnovers. That was just that's inexperienced there. Not it was kind of his job to see that blitzer coming. Um, Bryce's first interception. I thought on the on the rewatch that. You know, he forced it in. He shouldn't have forced it there, but I think he, he made it a sit. He had a guy coming at his legs. Um, and I think he had just taken a pretty big hit on a run a couple of plays earlier. So I think he just didn't want to get hit again. The game was kind of out of, you know, out of touch. So instead of throwing it away, he made a decision to try to, to whip it in. Uh, the second interception was a little more concerning, but, um, you know, you've got to, you can't do that against better teams and win. So hopefully it's a lesson learned in a game. It didn't cost him. Um, I'm kind of like Bronco. Like he, he's had a, he's had a stretch of good games. Um, so, you know, last year against Miami, he turned it over early, and we were able to survive. I, we can't do that against a team that's reeling like Florida State. So right. those are my two concerns. It's so weird to me. Virginia right now has a 59 and a half grade in run blocking and an 85.6 grade in the running game. Now I yeah. understand that there's more to the running game than just run blocking, but that is whack. You know what I mean? I think the reason the reason for that is that I was going back and looking at it. I think Pro Football Focus is giving a lot of credit to the running backs for making uh-huh. um, chicken salad out of uh, yeah. you know what? Yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. Because like if you go back and look at even like PK had that run. Um, I guess it was like the second quarter mm-hmm. or the first quarter. He kind of like, I mean, he got the ball in the backfield and could have easily been hit for and tackled for a two-yard loss and kind of just right. stiff-armed a guy, bounced it outside, got like 20 yards. Bryce um, had basically got sacked in the backfield and just bounced off the guy. Yeah. Um, and there were even Holland's, uh, his long run, he kind of had to get out of there. Um, and there were some good things done, but, yeah, I think that's part of what it is. I think that they're just giving the running backs a lot of credit for, and, and Bryce obviously is a runner for, for right. finding their own holes. Right. Um. All right, we, we obviously have a lot to talk about with Florida State, but I do want to discuss a little bit about the uh, fan experience at Scott Stadium and and the changes. I, I just I mentioned it in the open, and I'm going to say it again. The only the real the biggest thing I had, other than, um, you know, I was very distraught not to see. No, I wasn't distraught not to see Cabman. Um, but that PA was as loud as I've literally ever heard a system be. Like I, I've. I mean, the, when the band was on the field, dude, I could hardly, like, think. The so band really, was really loud. I mean, I, I'm, I'm very glad to hear. I mean, clearly, from judging from, like, the online reaction and, and, and such, like, there were a lot of people who felt very similarly, right? And so that I'm glad that the uh, university, the athletic department, heard the – no pun intended um, – heard those calls, and it, it, they're going to, you know, make some adjustments. I've, I've always kind of tended to think JPJ was a little bit loud. You know, like when they play that intro yes. video and you're, I mean, like I'm a big dude, right? My, I should not, my whole body shouldn't move from the base. It rattles the, you know, the chairs. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's some intensity. And I'm, look, I, I've, I don't have a problem with it, but like, I should not be that far away from a speaker, like thinking about like putting my fingers in my ears, like a 12 year old, but good to see you in the university that they, they figured it out. Um, what were some of Dave, we'll start with you. What were some of your, your high points? Let's, let's focus on the good. What did you like? about the, 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 the in-stadium, in-game experience? I mean, I, I look, the volume was bad, but being able to hear the PA was nice. Um, and <laughs> yeah, you they're like, figure, you're, you're like, you want to complain about the speakers? We're, you're going to hear us tonight. Like, yeah, that's kind of I mean, what you, they did with it. 
Yeah, I mean, but think about it too. That like they had to figure out the volume was in an empty stadium. So when you put people in there, like the acoustics change. Yeah, you have to kind of adjust for that. So my guess is they may overshoot it a little bit this week because I expect a much bigger crowd. Um, so they may have to adjust it at halftime even. Um, but look, I mean, it was unbearably loud by the time we got to the third or fourth quarter and the, the uh, stands had kind of emptied out. Like it was ear piercing. Um, so that was my, despite that, like being able to hear it was great. I mean, I thought the entrance was fine. Um, we still won without Cavman. It's a miracle. Um, <laughs> like the beer gardens, I went and had a beer just because I wanted to say I had a beer the first time they sold it. That clearly needs some work. I mean, they're, and they're adding registers, isn't that the. Yeah, they need to. And I put in my, my survey they sent out that it's not just registers. Like I didn't have a problem with the register. It, there was only one person checking ID. So I got in, you know, I got there early. So I was there an hour before kick, um, at least 45 minutes before kick. Yeah, before hour. the game, there was nobody really yeah. in there. I was so really, I, I was really fine, salty but... though, Dave, because I was expecting like this like download of information. Did you just text that just to Ferber, or did you just like, or did what? you just decide? No, no, no. Like once I got in, like, I mean, I wanted to have a beer, but I'm the only one from the group that did it, so I was just trying to finish it to get back to the stadium to see what's going on. Um, but yeah, I noticed when I left, there was a huge line of people getting their IDs checked. So. You know, it, it's good revenue. I think it was eight dollars for a sixteen ounce beer, and yeah, that, it's not. That's, that's the price is fine. I mean, like, yeah. that's what I, I go to Nats Park and Caps games and stuff all the time, and that's what you're going to pay there for probably the same thing. Yeah, and to be honest, like you know, I've paid eight dollars in a baseball stadium. I felt a lot better paying eight dollars for this beer because I knew seven plus you know six plus dollars was pure, pure revenue for the team I support. Um, yeah, I would like eventually. I think that's probably coming to the stands, but I, I think they did. For such a hastily, you know, late made decision, the beer gardens are pretty well done. Um, the show was pretty good. I opted for a chair back this year. That was a good per- decision in my, yeah, you know, that was a good spending, you know, good expenditure of my money. Um, even though I don't sit down very much, but I did, and that's kind of leading into it. Um, I, I did have our down in front comments, and like that crap's got to end, man. Um, well, the university I mean, I can't I change you, that. Yeah, They're I in for I a told, long Saturday night, I bet. Yeah, I know I told you guys the story off air, but there's a young couple who bought season tickets in our section this year, and they were new. And some elderly gentleman like confronted them, like for got in the guy's face about sitting down. And this was early in the game when there was a lot going on. Um, he's going to have that if that. That gentleman's back uh, this Saturday. He's going to have a very unpleasant night because uh, I don't <laughs> expect anyone to be sitting. So um, overall, yeah, great. And I really appreciate the fact that you know they quickly responded to those issues. And I, I think they're doing a good job this week of warning people to get there super early because I don't right. want to hear complaints that they got there at seven fifteen <laughs> and couldn't get in by seven thirty. <laughs> Yeah, or, or or later, you know, like you get these like people texting you and just like twenty minutes after, and they're like, "Oh, the lines." Um, Ferber, obviously, we have a little bit of a different experience being in the press box. But what stood out to you? Yeah, uh, I just want to talk about one thing, really. Give it to uh, me. There's Give this, it to there me. was this there was this one there was this new thing at Scott Stadium, and uh, I mean, it's gotten a lot of attention. And it's not the beer gardens; it's students. They came. <laughs> So, I mean, I know that I've been really critical of the students in the past for not coming because I don't think they get enough of the the blame, quite frankly, when it comes to attendance, because I think people focus on, 
uh, it's a two hour drive to Charlottesville or people have young kids and it's hard to bring young kids and drive and do all these things. And all those things are true. And then people complain about like concessions or not being able to buy alcohol or having to park far away from the stadium. Those are all valid concerns. And what doesn't get talked about a lot is the student attendance, which has been, you know, diminished over the last 10 years or so. And look, even the early Mike London years, I feel like the, the student attendance was much better than what we've seen the last few years. Um, really, I mean, I, I remember we were talking about it before the game. I said, wow, there's a lot of students here for, you know, what was it, 8 o'clock kickoff? Like 7.15, 7.30? I was like, usually, you know, there's people, but it's it's mostly empty. And you can kind of – what I can usually do from where we sit in the press box is – look at the student section and use that to kind of assume how many people are going to show up by the time the kick, you know, kickoff happens. And this game, I was like, well, the student sections are going to be full by the time that that happens. And then even more people showed up and the Hill was full. Um, Kudos, like whatever they did to get that done, or maybe students are just more interested. I don't know. Um, Good, good on them because it worked. The students were into the game. They stayed for the most part. I mean, I know some people left, but this was a super lopsided game. I don't blame anybody on a Friday night for trying to get out and, you know, go turn up on the corner or whatever these young kids do these days. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that could be, if you're talking about turning Scott stadium into more of a home field advantage, rather than just looking at pure numbers, that's the way to do it. Students, they're in a a part of the stadium that gets loud. They are usually loud. They're usually, uh, hydrated. I guess if that's the correct word by the time the game starts. Um, and, Students have a huge impact at JPJ, and I think that they can have a huge impact at Scott Stadium if they keep coming out in numbers like they did. I have no reason to expect that we're going to see a big drop-off on Saturday night from what we saw um, on Friday against William & Mary. And and they're shooting for the record. I know that they've made that pretty clear. It's 11,227, which is like 1,000 less than than what showed up last week. So I I think they got a shot at it, and and if they can do that, you know, the first two games of the season, that's pretty impressive. And and you hope that if they can – keep winning, you know, that people will keep coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and on the student thing, like it, it's great for the, the game, right? It, it's great to have them there per game like that. But, uh, you know, the, the thing for me is if you don't go to college games as a student, you're not going to do it as a young alumni. Um, right. There's like, so a, it's there's a, like a yeah, trickle down. There's effect. a snowball effect, yeah. right? You know, parents, Hey, my, if you're going to the game, you're more likely to tell your parents, yeah, come up, I'm going to the game yeah. this weekend. It's like uh, a habit forming. Sort yeah, of thing. exactly. So, I mean, when I was, you know, when I was an undergrad, I, I didn't go to UVA for undergrad, but I was at UVA for almost every football game, and that continued. Um, and so, you know, you've got eleven, you know, ten thousand plus the other night, and um, I'm ho- I'm guessing they're going to sell out the max out the student section Saturday, um, and you know, obviously, winning will, will help them come back again. But a good experience, just being around. Winning football, there will be a percentage of those kids, those guys who, guys and gals who end up coming back for football games after they leave that maybe didn't, wouldn't have if they hadn't come to a game. So, it's a wonderful, no matter what they're doing, if they're giving them priority points or giving them free T-shirts, whatever you have to do, I think that's a good investment by the program um, to help long-term, mm-hmm. yeah, long-term I, fan, ticket sales. I. Uh... I also think we should mention before we before we uh, move on to to Florida State, we should at least talk about br- briefly the change in the PA. Um, Scott Stadium PA guy, 
uh, is no longer the Scott Stadium PA guy. JPJ guy is now the Scott Stadium PA guy. Did a pretty good job. I was really impressed. I I uh, I, I I got what I thought I'd get on the the third down, um, which was did not disappoint whatsoever. I thought it, it sound it took a while, and I mean it might take a while still because um, it just doesn't you know like that's not what. The, that's not the voice I expect to hear in that stadium, but I thought JPJ guy did a really good job. Um, and yeah. then uh, we mentioned on the podcast last week. That yeah, we have Brad, a, did you uh, did you get to run into <laughs> any other? Uh, I, uh, we PA mentioned announcers. we mentioned uh, last week that uh, you know in the press box we have another PA uh, guy, and ironically, I said something right after that about how wouldn't it be great if the JPJ guy, the Scott Stadium guy, listened to the podcast? Well, it turns out the PA guy for the press box does listen to the podcast. So shout out to Jeff Wright who came by and introduced himself. Uh, really enjoyed getting to meet him and talk to him for a few minutes and uh, glad that he, he said he found the pod and then he listened, he went back and listened to a bunch of the final four stuff months later. And I've been looking at the numbers and a lo- apparently a lot of people like went back and listened to like what we said, um, except for that, except for that one that Ferber and I did from the bowels of uh, the stadium. Well, that, that one was kind of like a exploding sort of deal. Where yeah. We talked about the championship game between the games. And- yeah. Um, but everything else, man, that that it still does numbers, and Jeff was among them. So my thanks to him for 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 finding the pod. And uh, again, call, I, like I said, hope he calls another perfect game, <laughs> right? Um, I, I I I'm still curious, like uh, how long it'll take for me to get used to JPJ guy uh, at Scott Stadium. But so far, I've been uh, very impressed, and uh, maybe it'll be even better now that the PA isn't like decibel. Like seven. I mean, I, honestly, I didn't really notice. I mean, you can, we can hear him, but I didn't really notice the the you know he's too loud complaint until I started seeing it on Twitter, and then I was paying more attention, and it was really loud. Yeah, but you're right. Yeah, the yeah. band was like extreme. the band was the band was painful, and that yeah. and I mean part of that too is because like they're doing Bohemian Rhapsody, so they got a guitarist, and they're only queuing him up just for the little parts where he's playing. And I mean, it was really loud. And I mean, look, I, there's no shade I will, the band. The band was doing fine. Like, I'm not trying to throw shade. Yeah. I just saying like, Oh no, the it, was just so good. loud. It was just, it was just like so loud. Very, very loud. And I th- I've never the felt more old manish than JPJ I do right guy, now. Uh, the only complaint I had about JPJ guys, he talked, he like announced the snapper, the holder and the kicker right as they were getting ready to snap. And with the volume being so loud, it was the one he missed. Um, so, um, it was kind of like he does in, in JPJ. Sometimes he'll like he'll call out who's shooting free throws as they're in their motion. Um, that was the only complaint I had about it. But honestly, hearing his voice because we've had such good basketball success lately with that voice in the background, it was kind of it was kind of nice. Like you know, some it kind of psychological of effect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so let's. Uh, I guess that's a good spot to to uh, to segue over to talk about Florida State. But before we do that. I want to thank the good folks over at Second String Sports for their support of CavsCorner.com. Um, Second String Sports is all about offering you new and quality used sports equipment. So if you have a baseball glove, anything, softball, football, soccer, whatever has to do with those sports, if it's gear that you no longer want, Second String uh, will help you out and actually get you in something uh, even better. New bats and gloves from DeMarini, Louisville Slugger, Easton, Rollins, Wilson, Evo Shield, all of that stuff is on the sh- on the excuse me on the shelves today and ready to go home or to the field along with you. So let's say you got something you don't need anymore, take it to them. They can hook you up with your next purchase. Um, give them a look at their website online, secondstringsports.com. That's second with a two. Uh, you can also check them out their store in Waynesboro, 2627 Stewart's Draft Highway. Our thanks to Second String Sports for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. All right, so Florida State is wounded, is reeling five stars everywhere. In the 2017 class, they had the number two 
four and five dude in the country. How in the heck is that team bad? Like, what in the world? How is this defense bad? They had the number one defensive tackle, the number one defensive end, right? Like, how are they bad? I don't understand it, but I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. In, anyway, I understand this is a team that's in, in flux, right? Second year, Willie Taggart, who apparently just discovered hydration. Um, he's now brought in a second DC for his DC. Um, in the big scheme of things, I don't know if I've ever been as confident in, for, in UVA in a game against a team with, with a name right a a bona fide program a national championship winning program than i am in virginia winning this game now that is either me being absolutely right or me setting myself up for some massive failure um ferber let me start with you because you're the usually the more reasoned of the three of us on the show what are your what's your vibe what's your feel going into this game and am i crazy for being super duper confident that virginia's gonna win no i don't think so um so I was thinking about this earlier, and do you guys remember wait, it week three or four last year they, they played Louisville at home? Do you remember kind of the conversations that we were having leading up to that? Because a lot of them are very similar to how I feel about this game. Louisville did not have, you know, didn't have as much talent as this Florida State did, you know, just looking at a pure, you know, recruiting rankings, speed, top end, you know, talent sort of metric. Um and if you remember Louisville last year, they opened with Alabama, so you can't tell much from that. And then they struggled mightily with their next two opponents. One was an FCS team, and one was Western Kentucky. And then they came to Charlottesville, and UVA was 2-1. and one, And it was like, all right, well, this is a game in the preseason we thought they could definitely lose or would lose. And now if you just look at what's, you know, what Louisville's putting on tape, you know, it, it lines up with UVA winning this game, and potentially by a lot. Um, their problem was offense. Florida State's primary problem is defense. Uh, but I kind of get the same feelings about this game, right? And I've watched – I didn't, you know, watch the first half of the Louisiana-Monroe game until the sneaky good Florida State Seminoles got a little too sneaky with how good they were um, and really tried to blow it. But I watched a lot of the Boise State game and probably most of the fourth quarter and overtime of Louisiana-Monroe. And, you know, even when – Florida State was doing well against Boise State on the scoreboard. They were still getting kind of gashed on defense. Like, Boise State just wasn't converting those drives into points. And, you know, obviously breaking in a freshman quarterback on the road in week one, uh, there was a learning curve. And then after halftime, they came out and blew the doors off of Florida State. Um, the You know, FSU's been putting up numbers. I mean, on offense, they, they've been scoring a lot of points. Uh, and they've been taking pretty good care of the football. But what I'm seeing from the defense is just like, I don't know how in the weeds you guys are with this, but they try to switch from a 4-3 to a 3-4 in the offseason with the same coordinator who's never coached a 3-4. Um, and, you know, because I think they, they had really big defensive issues last year. And they tried to use that, you know, scheme change to correct it. And what ended up happening in that Boise State game was they got gashed in a number of different ways. And then they tried to kind of, like, blend the 4-3 back in for Louisiana Monroe. And, and it started out pretty good, but then, you know – they threw a pick six, and then they kind of it kind of snowballed on them, and then eventually the defense was just getting gashed on the ground again. Um, I mean, they're they're really lucky that Louisiana Monroe didn't win that game. I think if they go for two after they score the touchdown in overtime, they they very easily could have scored because they were doing whatever they wanted. But yeah, I mean, the name program gives you hesitancy, and there is certainly the potential for the talent to all come together and things to work out for Florida State. Um, there's a few different ways that they could maybe get that going, but 
I don't think you're crazy to think that um, UVA, you know, should be the big favorite here. Vegas doesn't disagree with you. Um, it's just going to come down to execution for UVA, and I think if they can if they can take away some of Florida State's will early in the game or put them in a hole, which they haven't really been in yet this year, mm-hmm. um, they've been blowing big leads. Then I think that this is a team that if you just look at the the interviews and the 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 mood around the team and the people who cover the team and how they feel about it. It just feels like they're like a couple of bad breaks away from quitting. And I think UVA could maybe break them if they get off to a good start. I feel like in a lot of these situations, right, there are those who think that, and I think Ferber's right, that they're, they're not that many bad breaks away. You know, like in a game like this, if Virginia were to get up 14 to nothing, 17, three or something, who knows what happens. Right. But I also think that, and, 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 and I should, and we should talk about this a little bit. Like there are also those out there who who think, all right, you don't want to wake a sleeping giant. Like I think there are a lot of fans who is, is whatever, whether it's a sellout or not, who are going to go to this game, watch this game at home, unless they have Comcast, watch this game and think, all right, we we just got to get through it. You know, like if we get a lead, we we just got to keep going. And I think that's a fair, you know, there's that's a fair thing. You don't want to have this be the game where Florida State wakes up and realizes like, oh, that's right, we are good at football. And I'm not really sure from a schematic standpoint. Um, what's what's gone awry with them? I think your your conversation about the the three four and everything. I my thing though is like I covered Mike London and like I, I, every time I talk about Mike London, I'll say, look, Mike London is a great dude. Very, was always really kind to me, and I don't mean this as shade. I'm just talking about it in a factual standpoint. Mike's operation was always disjointed. So when I see Willie Taggart and I watch his interviews and I listen to him, it just feels very similar. Right. And I'm not sure. And like the idea that they brought in his old defensive coordinator, right, on what is today, Wednesday of game week? Like, that's a great hire in June, right? Like, now is not the time to bring in a dude who's going to what? Teach your defensive coordinator how to be a defensive coordinator? And I'm, you know, if, you, if you're looking at social media stuff, like people who, you know, typically cover these kinds of things expect, you know, seem to expect that he'll be the guy by next week. Now, whether that actually comes to pass or not, that does not like does not give you a lot of confidence in what's going on, you know, in the football, uh, you know, uh, operation, so to speak down in, in Tallahassee. And I just don't, I just don't know how that translates to if Virginia was in a different spot in this rebuild, if this was year two, I wouldn't probably feel this way, but you've got so much experience coming back. You've got so many different guys who understand their roles. You've got a lot of depth at various positions. I just don't, I don't know. I watched, I watched Florida state the other night and I'm just, I mean, it's really hard for me to see Virginia would basically to me have to make so many mistakes to let Florida state stay in this game. Right. And I could see how that could be, you know, so Virginia makes a bunch of mistakes. Florida state plays well, they get some confidence and now maybe, maybe guys buy in a little bit better, but short of that, I just don't see it happening. Dave, uh, we, we've been talking a long, long while. What, what's, uh, what say you? He's too I mean, busy bidding on basketball <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for letting me catch up. Um, now, the uh, I think Florida State's got a few things going for them. Um, I'm not saying they're going to win the game, but they have a few positives this week. Um, number one, like they've got nothing to lose at this point, right? Like, you know, essentially, this is a clean slate. This ACC play it doesn't matter what happened against Boise and you know Louisiana Monroe. This is a clean slate. This is started the conference. Two, they're away from home, and given how like their fan base reacted to their. Uh, to their guy today kind of talking shade about Bryce. Like, um, like 
you know, they're not a very confident bunch. So being out of that atmosphere, it might be good for the team. There was and nobody three, at that have, game yeah, on Saturday. Yeah, and number three, they've got Cam Akers. Like, those are the three things they've got going for them. Um, but it's kind of like we talked about last year with Virginia Tech. If you take those same dudes and put them in a different uniform, you probably aren't too worried about it. So I think Bronco kind of nailed it with, with Florida State. He mentioned, you know, complimentary football, how our offense and defense kind of work together. And, you know, the best way to make a defense good is by keeping them off the field. Um, and Florida State is very high-tempo offense with the defense that's struggling. So the defense is not only struggling, they're on the field a lot, especially when the offense is is struggling. So I, I don't know. I mean, look, I, I'm not without worry for this game because, yeah, I think, I know you wrote a column on it today, Brad. Like, I, I don't think it's a must-win for Virginia as far as their season hopes and their championship hopes um, because it's out, you know, winning at Pittsburgh. If you had to win one or the other, winning at Pittsburgh is more important than beating Florida State because it's a, you know, it, I don't, I don't want to say it makes it not bad, but it's one or the other you had to have. So you've got one already. Um, but, you know, Virginia's got some momentum now. And for, from a program perspective, I think it's a big game, right? You, you want to keep these new fans coming back. You, you don't want – because I can tell you, if Virginia loses, you're going to have a bunch of people saying, see, just what we, <laughs> just like we're used to. Yeah. And we, we all know it. And, um, but, I, like, there's just – despite, like, the turnovers the other night against William & Mary, like, I, I think we've seen kind of 75% Bryce Perkins, and I expect to see 100% Bryce Perkins Saturday night. Um, you know, he's kind of been taking it easy, getting over the little kneading he had in camp. Um, I expect him to come out and look, just, I just kind of read coach's body language too. And Bronco seemed very comfortable last night in his coach's show. Um, Papinga seemed pretty comfortable today talking to the media. Um, and you know, I, I think, I don't think this moment's too big for this team. And so, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident. Um, I, I think it's going to be a tighter game than we like because Florida state can score quick. Um, you know, the thing that concerns me is we saw it kind of late in that first half against Pitt, and I know it's some debate on the board whether they gassed us or not. But when you get when you get it kind of rolling, um, a lot of Virginia's pressure comes from blitzes, and you can't call those blitzes when the team is making gaining yards and calling plays quick. Um, so Virginia's going to have to either get pressure from the front or be able to stop the run with the two-man line. So whichever way they do that, it's got to be, you know, they've got to do it. Um, cause Cam Akers is a, he's a beast, man. So, you know, I'm, I'm confident, but I'm not without, you know, I'm not without reservation. Right. Um, just cause you know, you know, Florida state's got plenty of talent, as you said, but they kind of remind me of a Mike London team. And that's no offense to, I don't God, we're bagging on Mike tonight. No, it's, I mean, um, it's but been, they do like, you know, years. and we saw, we saw it as fans of Virginia when Mike London was here, like, you know, we rose up in some very big moments and almost beat some very big teams. Um, so when when you get it together, you can win. So, you know, we, we got to be smart with the ball and have a game plan and keep the ball out of their offense's hands. Yeah, I think the other th- the thing that really stood out to me Monday um, was somebody, I, I think it might have been Mike Barber from the Times-Dispatch, asked Bronco a question about preparation and essentially – what Bronco said was, which I thought was kind of fascinating, he said that basically all of the prep work that they did, right, on what they expected Florida State to be this year was 
that maybe not all of it, but that they, they got a lot of value out of that work. And what that tells me is that the, whatever they prepared for is what they, is what they are seeing and that, that, that they're not surprised, I think is a nice way to frame it, right? Now, how does that translate? I, I think that these are coaches, this is a staff that really does well when the information fits. We think about Bronco in that first year, right? He, he, I remember him saying after that he should have treated that as UVA year one as opposed to BYU year whatever, and that he made an error in that. But once, once he got that thing back on track, it, it really took off. We saw him that year when he, w- he would come to a press conference and he would say, we, we, did, we didn't do X well. And that next week, that thing would be fixed. They were very good at identifying whatever. Kids, once they bought in, seemed to play well. Guys who were young, right, right out of the gate, were able to play pretty well in the defense. Um, there's a lot to like about the way that this thing has come together. Again, if Virginia makes a bunch of mistakes, Florida State can absolutely win this game. They are super talented. They've recruited at such a high level. You go back and look at their rivals' team rankings. They're, they're top five, top 10, 17 into 18. Not, the, the last class was a little bit, uh, was like 18th, I think. But you're still talking top 20 talent. Um, the problem is they haven't been able to develop those guys. Meanwhile, Broncos over here taking twos and threes and a couple fours and doing a really nice job of making them all fit together. Um, I just think that if the if the work that they put in on Florida State matches what they're seeing from Florida State, it's going to come down to execution, and ultimately that's Virginia having to be itself. I, I just I, I really believe that that this is a game for UVA is much more about the Cavaliers than it is the, the Seminoles. Like it doesn't even matter who they are, right? As long as Virginia does what Virginia is supposed to do, they win this game, and they might even win it easily. Speaking of, let's get to let's get to our predictions. Uh, Ferber, let's start with you. In the preseason, uh, you had Florida State winning this 27-24, to 24, if my scratch is accurate. Um, I'm going to guess from your comments earlier that, that you're going to switch this one up a little bit. Give us your pick and give us your headline. Yeah. Um, my biggest thing, I'm definitely going to switch the winner. I mean, in the preseason, I said that I thought they would split Pitt and Florida State, but now that we're looking at it in a – game-by-game sort of basis, I'm not going to pick Florida State. Um, Yeah, like everything they've said is true. They have the talent. And and the thing with Florida State is they don't, you know, they run their hurry up, but they don't necessarily need to gash UVA to beat them. They can hit four home runs. And then, you know, if UVA's offense isn't on, that's 28 points. And, you know, you just kind of like find a way to get it done. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that's, that's the recipe, right? Uh, I, my biggest question about this game isn't necessarily, uh, you know, who wins or whatever. I'm just interested to see how it, how it's played. You know, is it, um, a game that Florida state has played two shootouts. They're averaging 38 points a game. They've scored 76 and they've allowed 80. So a lot of people are assuming that, you know, if you look at that and who they've played, that UVA will, you know, score 45 on them or, or what have you, and Florida State might score a bunch too. I'm not so sure it's going to play out that way. I could see it playing out more in the 20s. And how it plays out as far as, you know, how many points are scored and, and how quick the, the tempo of the game could determine a lot of, like, you know, who wins it or how lopsided it is or what have you. I'm going to go UVA 31-24. Um, I'm going to – it's a seven-point game. I kind of think that if it's in that range of score, I think UVA has a good chance. Like if, if Florida State doesn't break, I'd say if Florida State doesn't break 28 or so, 
uh, I don't think they really have a chance because I don't think their defense is going to completely be able to stop UVA just based on what I've seen. Um, I'm going to go 31-24 UVA. I'm going to say Perkins has a, has a bounce back game and uh, looks a lot better than, than he looked the other night. Um, my uh, prediction last week was Joe Reed kick return touchdown, so let's go two for two. <laughs> Dave, in the preseason you had Virginia win in the stank 28-13, I believe, um, with a 65. I forgot to tell Ferber that he had 60% chance. Uh, for Virginia to win. Yeah. 65% chance for, for UVA in, in this game. How do you feel now? I mean, I, I mean, I think I was a little light. Florida State's offense is good. Um, I mean, even if it's garbage time, I think they're going to score. Um, look, I, I like the matchup. I, I like where our team seems to be from a from a mental standpoint, a physical standpoint, and, you know, a execution standpoint. So they're, they look good at, I think they're playing with momentum. I think the crowd's going to play a big role. Um, I do think it's going to – I mean, I don't expect Virginia to get out to a big lead at any point in this game because I think Florida State's got the weapons to to answer. Um, I also wouldn't be shocked to see Florida State slow their tempo down some this week. Um, and I do think they're sneaky good uh, just because they have talent. I mean, you know, it, X's and O's, you know, matter, matter, but – you know, Jimmy's and Joe's do too, as Al Gross used to say. So Virginia's got to make plays. I think being at home and and having, you know, Bryce Perkins at quarterback and, and a defense that has shown the ability to not just be disruptive, but be able to adjust um, and, and play different styles and still get the job done. It, it may not happen quickly Saturday night, but I think Virginia figures out a way to get it done. Um I'm going to go old school here. I'm going to go Virginia 33 to 28 um, <laughs> just because it feels good. Um, late score by Florida State. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think the headline's going to be, um, you know, Virginia's for real because um, I do think there's a lot of people out there, fans included, who, who are, you know, want to see them. Whether or not Florida State's good, it's a name. And I think there's a lot of people who are going to look at Virginia a little more seriously by beating Florida State. Um, in the preseason, yours truly, if I can read my own writing, I have the same problem every year. I had Virginia winning this thing 34-21. I had 80% chance of uh, uh, of that uh, Virginia winning, at least. Um, I don't typically stick with my preseason predictions. I like to be all over the place. I'm, I like to anti-ferber in that respect. I'm going to stick with this one. Listen, one, I'm kind of bummed that this is a game that is uh, in September when apparently summer has decided to not leave because one of my favorite things about playing Florida State or playing any of the Florida teams is that like when they come in later in the year and they're like, they all are wrapped up like Eskimos and have no idea. You know, they just always look completely uncomfortable. Like they've never worn a coat before, which is, I mean, it's just one of my, my personal uh, favorite things. Um, but it's going to be hot. It, you know, if, if the other nights, you know, the air's not going to move. I thought I was like I thought there was a hurricane. What happened to the breeze? Um, but anyway, in terms of the game itself, I just feel like Bryce Perkins is due. Um, now maybe the knee is more is more hurt than he lets on, but I, I kind of feel like you guys where maybe he's been um, sort of nursing it along. I I probably wouldn't have played him in the second half uh, last Friday night just because. But um, I kind of think he's going to have a big game. I, I, I don't think that this is going to be a blowout by any stretch, um, but I don't think it's going to be close. I think that Virginia will have a 7-10 to 10 point lead basically the whole night, and they're just going to lean on them and lean on them and lean on them until they break. And credit to you know to Florida State for being, I think, a, a very, as Bronco said, a very capable team. They have, they have talent. 
Um, I just don't think that they're ready right now to put that together. Now, if this game was in late November, middle, middle, early, middle, you know, some part of November, okay, maybe I might feel differently. But I just think right now, especially, you know, with things the way they've gone, um, I think once you get a lead on these guys, I, I don't think you're going to lose it. Um, but Virginia has to go execute, and that's, you know, that's a big piece of it. So I think the headline will be somebody's going to make some joke about, you know, somebody somewhere, some headline will, you know, that daggum number three um, because, you know, Everything that is old is always new again. Um, but I honestly, I think it'll be Bryce Perkins. I wouldn't be surprised to see Mike Collins have a really nice game, but it'll be something about Perkins and the uh, the crowd. Um, I don't know if they're going to sell it out, but I think it's going to be pretty close. And it's it's I think it's whatever it's going to be numbers wise specifically, it's going to be a great one um, because I thought I thought Friday night's crowd was really nice. Um, so I'm I'm really I'm really interested to see it. Um, I think that pretty much wraps us up. Uh, yeah. I would say I'm a little annoyed. Oh, no. You know, oh, if God. Florida State had been better, if Florida State had beaten Boise State like they looked like they were going to and then not laid an egg last week, we'd probably be talking about game day being in Charlottesville tomorrow or Saturday. Um, so it's not on us this time. It's on our opponent. Yeah. <laughs> so. And also, I mean, uh, I don't want to like downplay anything. Dave was talking about I think the headline's going to be UVA's for real. I think if UVA wins it by less than like 10 – I think most a lot of people nationally are just yeah. going to be like, well, Florida State's terrible, right? Like that's yep. that'll be that'll be what they say. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah I mean, I UVA fans, UVA fans, it might help with the buy-in because they're going to say, okay, we we handled our business. You know, that's how they'll look at it. Um, but I mean, I think nationally, people will just write Florida State off. They'll yeah, be like, they, look at them; they they should be zero and three. Like they almost lost to Louisiana Monroe, and then UVA, you know, is on the road. What do you expect? The game, the game where Virginia proves that they're for real is in two weeks. I mean, let's be real. Like that's you know that's where the that's where that rubber meets that proverbial road. Just 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 gonna throw it out there. You guys, I come, okay? No comments. That's fine. Yeah, I mean it, it's funny I'm that you traveling mentioned out that, there, so I hope they're good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, like even, even the Florida State beat writers and stuff, and people like our rival site. Um, you know, I look at what they write, and and they're all like, "Hey, if UVA can or if Florida State can keep it close, like that's nice." <laughs> like that they really just don't believe. Um, in this team, which makes me think that there's something underlying. Not not that there's like a locker room problem like some other teams in the ACC, um, but you know it's it's like they just don't they don't because I feel like a lot of times like when they played Louisville last year, the Louisville people for the most part were like ah they'll shake it off it's UVA like right. they'll be fine. but like this this group it's like they're like yeah if they can keep it close I mean or don't don't embarrass yourselves. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of the national media types, this if it, it, I think that's that's the right read. If it's, you know, yeah, they'll four, just be like, is Tagger going to get fired? Right. Like, if, it, if it was like fourteen to seventeen, people would be like, yeah. But if it's closeish, you know, seven, ten points, you know, that's that'll be the take. But I also think that look, regardless of what happens here, the question is what Virginia does in South Bend. I mean, that's the that's the place where people will say they're for real. Um, if they, you know, if they if they win this one. Uh, and then they go to, I mean, excuse me, they come back home again for Old Dominion next week. Um, I still can't believe that game's a seven o'clock game. Under the lights. Under <laughs> the lights against the mighty Old Dominion Monarchs. And then. Well, go, just remember next, yeah. Yeah. I mean, George, so Georgia funny. could beat Notre Dame so bad that it doesn't matter what we do there. It's well, right, no, no, yeah, but that, yeah. but that, but that's still the, that's still the measuring stick for the, on is, this, yeah, on this yeah. schedule. That's the measuring stick. Um, yeah. The ODU thing is funny to me because, like, 
how long were we like every game is at noon? Jeez. Like and now it's like you can't buy a noon game. <laughs> you're, Even you're, NC uh, State got a night game this week. Yeah, next week. Your uh your tweet the other day about how like we're gonna remember twenty nineteen as a night as a season they had ten night games is so spot on. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can't remember mean, that year honestly, they had ten night games. With, with the ACC network now, the number of night games is like before a game like UVA Georgia Tech um in November, assuming Georgia Tech is bad. Uh, that game couldn't be at night. There's no, there were no slots. But now with the ACC network, like anything's possible, um, because like they could put that game on at seven thirty if there's nothing else to put on. Um, that North Carolina game on November second is starting to look real interesting. Um, right. Yeah. And then you have Virginia Tech on Black Friday, and that's probably going to be at night. So. Yeah, I can go ahead and tell you. I, listen, if I had to, my sneak, my sneaky pick, right? Because I don't do schedules, because that's Ferber's that's Ferber's domain. But I just want to say that if if that October nineteenth game against Duke kicks kicks off at eleven a.m., you heard it here first. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm going to say about that, because there is a chance, and that's all I'm going to say. Um, um, Brad, fearless prediction. Hey, I, I didn't. I, I'm just saying you heard it here first. If you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, give us a look on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your shows. Give us a rating and review. Always helps to get us out in front of more people, and we very much appreciate that. Um, if you're somebody who has found the pod but hasn't given us a look at the site, check us out. CavsCorner.com. Right now, let's see. Um, you can check out. Um, I did a three, two, one, following the presser as always. Ferber's uh, five to watch on Florida State, basically. But apparently, puts the fear of God in people when they read it, which I wasn't aware of until I read the board uh, after. Yeah, I mean, there, it, I, I could pick five players that don't play, and, <laughs> and, and, and you make you feel real good. About it. He is the backup. He is the backup long snapper. But um, Florida State, especially, you know, because if you look at him, it's like five star, five star, five yeah, star, five star. Right. <laughs> um, the uh, pro football focus grades obviously are back uh, as I talked about earlier. And then I said, I got that column um, up and you know what this game could mean. I thought it was really interesting when I dug into the top 10 uh, attended games at Florida state was up there a couple times and you can kind of see the through line with sort of where they were. Um, of course, as we move forward, Matt's odds and ends will be up. Ferber's game preview will be up. Um, we'll be in the house Friday night when Virginia basketball unveils a national championship banner. Um, at least two of us will be. And then all three of us, uh, Lord willing, the Creek Don Rats will be in Scott Stadium Saturday night uh, as the Wahoos and Seminoles get uh, get it going under the lights. Um, remember, if you haven't already, hit that Fanatics link. Um, it's in your podcast app of choice right now, as well as in the content item for the show. Anything that you click on, whether it's UVA or not, goes to support the site. So very much appreciate that. Lastly, I want to thank Thorium Wealth and uh, Second Stream Sports for their sponsorship um of the podcast and of the website and all that fun stuff uh you can visit thoriumwealth.com for more information also check out second string sports second with a two um so again i want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show I want to thank dave and ferber for giving graciously of their time as always i very much appreciate it for david spence and justin ferber i'm brad franklin publisher of cascorn.com thanks for coming out we'll see you soon